turn with me this morning to the book of Matthew, chapter 17, verses 1 and 2. I want to continue the study that we've begun on the face of our Lord. Uh, we have been studying, if you're visiting, for a number of weeks on biblical passages that relate to uh, the face of the Lord, which convey to us uh, divine truth. And so I want to... Uh, uh, have someone get that for me, Matthew 17, 1 and 2. Somebody volunteers, Brad. Then I want John 3, 16. If Paul will get that. I want John 1, 14. Don Galati get that. I want 1 Timothy 3, 16. Mike Ramirez and 1 Timothy 6, 14 through 16. Dennis. So uh, we want to uh, take another face this morning as we uh, begin to open and uh, examine what the Bible has to say in some facet of truth that is there. I want to talk this morning about the dazzling face. This comes from a passage in uh, Matthew 17, the Mount of Configuration. And most of the time, uh, someone's face reveals their character. Can you say amen? Most of the time, not all the time. You learn as a counselor that uh, you can't always depend on the face uh, but uh, most of the time, uh, it reveals the characters, that, uh, who people really are. You can tell by watching them as you talk with them. And here in this uh, passage of Scripture is a particularly intriguing narrative that is peculiar in the revelation uh, of uh, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's an overwhelming experience uh, for the three disciples, Peter, James, and John are, uh, are uh, the disciples that go up with the Lord. And they present to us a uh, very uh, insightful look into the future for all believers. I want you to read for me Matthew 17, 1 through 2. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Okay, we're going to come back to the preceding chapter. If you'll notice uh, uh, in these chapter headings, these are not in the original text. Someone added those to uh, give a break to the narrative. But this uh, chapter is connected with what he had to say uh, before. And so it says, and six days later, or after... Uh, chapter 16. So, first of all, we want to look at and examine what the Bible has to say about the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's absolutely necessary that you see the uniqueness of our Lord Jesus Christ. John 3:16 gives us this insight. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. All right. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. This is a very specific statement. It has profound meaning. It cannot be twisted uh, and, uh, and uh, misconstrued if you, uh, if you will study the Bible. The Bible is a, is a book of words. How many of you know that? And words have meaning. Uh, this generation has tried to uh, construe words. It means whatever you want it to mean, but you can't do that to words uh, that's a path to insanity when you want to take words and make them mean what you want them to mean. The Bible is written by the Holy Spirit. Holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit 
And uh, if you are a genuine Bible student, you will study the Bible uh, as a book of words for what those words actually mean. The French translate that God's unique son. That means one of a kind. Unique means this is the only one of a kind. And so, first of all, we have to see that Jesus Christ is the unique or only one of a kind Son of God. John 1, verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, uh, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace uh, and of truth. 1 Timothy 3, 16. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, God was manifest in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh. Go ahead. Justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up to the glory. This is a profound statement. God is manifest in the flesh, believed on in the world, received up into glory. And this speaks of, uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt, Jesus Christ. Uh, our Lord and our Savior. First Timothy six fourteen through sixteen. That you keep this commandment without spot, blameless unto our Lord Jesus Christ appearing, which He will manifest in His own time. He who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. All right. Here again is a profound statement from the Word of God talking of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, who, uh, having the mystery revealed in human form to humanity, dwells in the light to which no man can approach to and no man has seen the full revelation of God at any time. So we want to wrestle with that for a moment because what we have is the life of God in human form and uh, manifest to humanity. I want this section, John 1, verse 4. Quickly help me if you'll respond, uh, which is will. Second Peter 1, 16 through 18 is Matthew. Uh, 1 John 1, 1 and 2 is uh, Pete. And Hebrews 1, verse 3. Who is it back there? Kyle? Is that you? Okay, you're hiding behind somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Hebrews 1, verse 3. Okay, so here's the life of God in human form. Now, I'm building a base and a foundation that we can understand the statement that Jesus has made and what is being uh, involved here uh, in in the revelation of God. John chapter 1 Verse 4. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. In him, that's Jesus Christ. Undoubtedly, this is who John's talking about. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Uh, and the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and nothing was made uh, that was not made by him. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Second Peter one, sixteen through eighteen. We have not followed cuttingly, deceit, 
devised fables when he made known unto the our the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son, whom I will who am, who I am in will well. In whom I am well pleased. Okay, so here's Peter. Peter's writing years later. He is writing concerning this event that we read about in Matthew 17, 1 through and 2. And he said, we're not talking about uh, a fairy tale. We're not talking about fiction here. You know, a lot of uh, the popular thing today is Christian fiction. Uh, we're not talking about fiction. He says, we are not uh, following cunningly devised fables to given for the entertainment. We were eyewitnesses of his glory. We were with him on the holy mountain. We saw this, this dazzling face. We saw this glistering. And as we saw that, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And we heard at that moment the voice of Father God in heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well, please. First John 1, 1 and 2. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. All right, here's John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have looked upon, our hands have handled of the word of life. The life was manifested. We have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to you. All right, here is John writing of this uh, profound and powerful statement. Uh, this was with the Father, but was manifest to us, uh, and we testify to that. Hebrews 1, verse 3. Here again, Hebrews, the Apostle Paul writes uh, and saying, being the express image of his person uh, and uh, that glory manifested uh, was there. So I want John 2, verse 11, over on my left-hand side, uh, which is Philip, John 12, verse 41. It's Chad. I want somebody to get for me Isaiah 6, 1 through 6 is Mark, uh, and I want Acts 22, verse 8, uh, which is Jeremiah. So Jesus Christ is God in human form. This is the great mystery, 1 Timothy 3, 16. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, seen of angels, uh, ascended up into glory. And he begins to talk about this. And so here is uh, God manifest in human form. Uh, and uh, uh, and uh, this is a declaration of, of uh, Scripture. have to lay this foundation so we can understand what is, uh, what is meant by uh, or what's involved in Matthew 17, uh, 1 and 2. John 2, 11. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory Here's the wonderful miracle. It's the first miracle of the Lord Jesus. It's a wedding in Cain of Galilee when he turned the water into wine at the feast and the first wedding that was there. John 12, verse 41. 
Read it again real loud. I can't hear you. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Isaiah 6, 1 through 6, please. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, with twain did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. Okay, so here we have the, the manifestation of God to humanity. Acts 22, verse 8 and verse 11, we have Paul on the Damascus Road, Jeremiah. So I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuted. And since I did not see for the glory of the light, being led by the hand of those who were with me, I see the Damascus. Verse 11. That was it. Okay, here's Paul, has this experience uh, on the Damascus Road. So here's the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we have to uh, put this in perspective of, of, of what Jesus is saying here. And the revelation of the dazzling face has great meaning for you and I. I want Matthew 16, verse 28, over on my right. Mike uh, uh, Ramirez, I want Matthew 17, 2 and 3. Uh, Louis Polino, Luke 9, 30 and 31. Jeff, I want, uh, okay, we'll stop there. So uh, here's the promise to every believer is involved in this statement of the transfiguration of our Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 16, verse 28. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. All right, here's a profound statement. He's not talking about uh, something that's going to transpire someday. This is all connected. This is why Matthew 17 says, and six days after this then, he, they went with him up into the Mount Transfiguration and they saw or had insight into or a preview of the kingdom of God and they saw the kingdom of God. Matthew 17, verses 2 and 3. And he was transformed before them and his face did shine as the sun and his clothing was white as the light. He was transformed before them or transfigured and his face became shining as the sun and his clothing became his light. They saw our Lord Jesus Christ in a glorified body. Luke 9, 30 and 31. We get a little added insight here. And behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Two men appeared uh, with him, which is Moses uh, and Elijah. Now remember, this is a continuation of Matthew 16, verse 28. I tell you that there's some standing right here. They're not going to taste death till they see the kingdom of God coming in power. This is what they're looking at 
Moses had died 1,400 years before this. Elijah had died 900 years before this. They appear with him also in glorified bodies. And so what we're looking at is a preview of the kingdom of God, which is the insight of what God's design for humanity is in the kingdom of God. This is the resurrection glory and the glory of the kingdom. I want Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10. Somebody like to get that for us. Uh, Don Galati. I want Romans 8, 18. Uh, Joel. Romans 9, verse 23. Is uh, Brad. Colossians 1, 27. Is um, uh, Twister. Ephesians 1, 18. Jeremiah. 1 Peter 5, 1. Is uh, Dennis. So let's think about this now for a moment. Here is a, uh, is a revelation. This revelation is not just for some casual uh, display or manifestation. This has purpose. This purpose uh, is to begin to reveal not only our Lord Jesus Christ, but for the believers what's going to happen to them. You know the story, the minute this happens... Uh, uh, Peter gets excited. He says, uh, this is wonderful. Let's make a tabernacle here. Let's make one tabernacle for uh, the Lord Jesus. We're going to make one for Moses and one for Elijah. And immediately a voice comes from heaven and says, this is my beloved son. I want you to hear him. Puts the spotlight back upon uh, and uh, that uh, he's not into building tabernacles or temples uh, uh, for that, that this is the purpose of God. His face is glistering, uh, and they see him in glory in the kingdom, in resurrection glory. Hebrews 2, verse 10. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Bringing many sons into glory. See, uh, the kingdom of God is not... Uh, uh, is not uh, a little cruise uh, where we have fellowship together and everything's going to be a, it's going to need. I, it may, I see so much. I'm, I'm reading articles. I read a lot. This makes you absolutely enrages you. What's presented as Christianity today is it? This little club, you know, it's uh, everybody's together. I'm okay. You're okay. And this, we're talking about God's glorious and wonderful plan for humanity being reclaimed from the devil. Can you say Amen. From the horrible fall of sin, uh, humanity at its very best state is a pile of manure. Amen. And his own, and uh, uh, his own ability, his own uh, personality. But God has a glorious purpose for man, and He says it became Him in bringing many sons into glory. This is where we're headed with the kingdom of God. Romans eight eighteen. For I consider that the suffering. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Thank God. Are you still with me this morning? We're not talking about a little bit of religion. Uh, yeah, well, you know, we're going to go up there. We're going to sit down. We're, gonna, we're talking about a glorious, incomprehensible future that God has 
planned as he has reclaimed humanity from what the devil's work was in destruction and he brings man back to his destiny. This is why in Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It has the, that word means, uh, 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 it's the picture of, a, of an archer that fires an arrow, but it falls short. Sin uh, has entered the human race, and God's purpose or his target for man has not been achieved, but redemption is to bring mankind back to that glory, fallen short of the glory of God. What is the glory of God? It's that purpose and plan of creation that God has for all of humanity. That's pretty exciting. I don't know about you. That's pretty exciting. Okay. Uh, and uh, uh, Romans 9:23. That he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had prepared beforehand for glory. And he might make known the riches of his glories. Okay, back to the Mount of Transfiguration. Are you still with me now? You're following. Back to the Mount of Transfiguration. Here we find the Lord Jesus revealed in kingdom glory. Here is uh, God in human form, and we see his glory, but with him are two human beings, Moses and Elijah, who now give us an insight into God's glory in resurrection power as uh, this glory is prepared for humanity. Colossians 1.27. Who God would make known what is uh, his riches of the glory of his mystery? To whom God would make known what is the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, we're talking about profound and glorious things, and Christianity is not meant to be a little religious club where we gather together, do religious things, and speak religious cliché. It is a path to destiny. Can you thank God for that? It's wonderful when we are transformed. No longer these bodies are in their sin-fallen state, but they're in their glorified state in the resurrection uh, with Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, 18. The eyes of your understanding being opened, the eyes of your heart being opened, that you may know what is the glory and the riches of his purpose and plan for the saints of God who believe in Jesus Christ. First Peter 5, 1 Peter 5.1 The elders who are among you I exhort... I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. A partaker of the glory that will be revealed. So let's, let's note for a moment uh, before we open for a question. This is a revelation that our Lord Jesus Christ gave to the three disciples, Peter, James, and John. He took them with him up into the Mount of Transfiguration. He deliberately began to reveal what the kingdom of God is all about to these three disciples for the confirmation of the future dimension. And Peter, years later, 
writes and refers to this event, uh, this is a mountaintop experience uh, in his faith because there's an eternal dimension that was revealed here. And he writes in Peter, the text that we, that we uh, quoted this morning, and said, we were eyewitnesses. This is a mountaintop experience. This is one of the defining moments in his experience. Uh, and he refers back years later to this wonderful event uh, when this revelation is given to him of kingdom promise uh, of glorified humanity uh, in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, we've, uh, let's open it up and see uh, whether we've trod on holy ground this morning or whether you're still asleep. Have any question or comment? Uh, Bear. I was reading a magazine article about the Ivy League colleges at Harvard, Princeton, Yale, and others just discovering now that there's one category of people that they haven't they haven't admitted in their colleges it's so low income people you know forty fifty thousand dollars and below and because most of the people most of the kids that go there are are either really rich or they're alumni sons and daughters and yet you think about the, the kingdom of God and which is just the reverse you know God's reached out to the refuge the, the refuge of the world and the broken and brought them in and yet we've got something that 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 no Ivy League college diplomas can touch. We've got we we look forward to being with God forever and resurrection bodies and presence of, of the glory of God that nothing on earth can offer. It just seemed it just seemed a, a, a topsy turvy thing. Just the reverse of what the world uh, it uh, despises those who don't have power, money, talent. If you're just a common slob like most of us here in this place, then uh, you don't stand a chance, right? Uh, your, your moment of glory uh, probably is uh, your mug shot in uh, the county jail. But, uh, but the promise of God is a wonderful transformation of human personality back to the original purpose of God in creation. He created humanity for a glorious, glorious eternity, and sin has, has derailed that. But God, who is involved in redemption, that's what redemption is, is reclaim that back for every human being who will believe in Jesus Christ. And so... Uh, uh, sometimes we in America lose the uh, lose the uh, uh, total feeling of that because there's very few people here in this building ever been hungry in their life, have not had the necessities of life. But if you lived in a third world country and this promise is brought to you and you begin to understand it, what a glorious, glorious thing that God cares about you and has a plan for your life, a glorious future uh, in kingdom uh, glory. Someone else, good, good comment. Mark uh, Sandler. It's about uh, the old gospel that came out of the uh, came out of the slave uh, time frame. These people had absolutely nothing but oppression, and so when they got to church on Sunday, I mean, they had a time. They weren't just dancing and playing games. They were excited. They were totally looking forward. For that chariot to drop down and pick them up, they were they meant business, and so uh, uh, 
profound thing is when you think on these things, the Bible says, think on these things. And so when this kind of stuff consumes your mind, it just transforms how you live your life now. Totally changes your reference point. So he's, uh, this is why the, uh, the profound uh, impact was made uh, in the slaves. And that uh, whole culture is because this is the only thing they had for hope. Nothing in this world gave them any hope, but church gave them and the gospel gave them a tremendous uh, uh, hope uh, for uh, dignity, gave them hope for the future, and uh, made them somebody. While they were in church, they were somebody. Can you say amen? Society may have shoved them aside, but it made them somebody. Uh, is it Carol? Before I was saved, uh, I looked at creation and enjoyed it. But I was an atheist, didn't believe in anything. And when I got saved and began to read the Bible, the majesty of Christ and His glory, it astonished me that we're serving a humble God he could have written his name in the stars. He could have forced people to serve him. But we have just a little uh, earnest of things to come. We have little, uh, small little snippets of his glory. And he is still uh, extending his hand to people all over the world. Yet he is a very humble God. He wants us to be the same. And yet he has a great, magnificent peace for us. That's why all these scriptures about the glory that shall be revealed in us. This is a great promise. Okay, so let's talk about this is the future. This is the promise. And so let's talk for a moment about the timing of this. And this is in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 3, verse 20 and 21. Somebody in this section. Help me quickly. Mark Sanderlin, 1 Peter 1, verse 7. Uh, Will, 1 Peter 4, 13. Uh, Twister, 1 John 3, verse 2. Uh, Kyle, and Colossians 3, verse 4, uh, Micah. So the timing of this. So uh, uh, you say, you know, if this is, uh, this is who I am, what God has for me, why do I feel like this slob? <laughs> because the time is not yet. Amen. Wonderful to get saved. Glorious to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? But the time... It's not yet. It is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's when our day is coming. Can you say amen? I, I, this guy came to me one time, and he was, uh, he was uh, stoned out of his gourd. But he was, uh, uh, his question was, you know, priest, when's my time going to come? Well, it's gonna, it might come after you quit boozing. I don't know. But, uh, but uh, it's not right now. I can tell you that. This promise is the promise, and this is why we look forward to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. For our conversation is in heaven, from where also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working, whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Okay, here's the promise of the Scripture and uh, the... Uh, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, who will change our vile bodies into another total form. This is what the transfiguration foretells for us. Uh, there's a great segment of the church today that is called Kingdom Now. And uh, there's uh, large mega churches, and uh, their, uh, their proposition is that we're going to take over the government. We're going to... Uh, 
we're going to cause uh, uh, we're going to we're going we're to cause the kingdom to take place now. Well, it's your best uh, state. You could be a president or a king. You would even approach to what we're talking about tonight. Can you say amen? And our hope is not taking over the government structures of this world. Although all of us need to be involved in uh, in voting, we need to be involved in our communities. That's not what our hope is, uh, because uh, it's not going to happen. Uh, we may affect, and we can uh, we can uh, cause certain things to change. But what this is talking about far transcends, goes above that, over and above. A billion miles. Can you say amen? As high as the heavens are above the earth, when Jesus comes, our vile bodies are going to be changed like his glorious body. First Peter 1, verse 7. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even, even though refined by fire, may be proven genuine and may result in him who loved First Peter 1 Peter 1.7. In praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Read it again. <clears throat> These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which praise, glory, and honor when... <laughs> One of the problems with our schools is they don't teach our kids to read, so... Uh, how about looking at this up here? That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. At the appearing of Jesus Christ, our faith, which is far more precious than gold, is going to be appear what it really is. You know, this world's uh, you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and they... they uh, uh, they despise that. But uh, this faith, uh, the Bible says, is a valuable commodity. Maybe not demonstrated now, but when the Lord Jesus comes, uh, then it's going to be demonstrated for the glorious uh, commodity that it is. First Peter 4, verse 13. But rejoice to the extent that you take of Christ's suffering, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. When His glory is revealed, this is what our hope is, uh, then we uh, will rejoice in that day with him. First John 3, verse 2. Beloved, now are we in the sons of God. And it doesn't not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when we shall be, we shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. Beloved, it does not yet appear what we shall be. But when we see him, then we shall uh, see him as he is. And this has tremendous impact and, and, uh, and importance for you and I who are to be changed into that glory. Colossians 3, verse 4. Christ, who is our life, appears, and you will also appear with him in glory. Then we shall appear with him in glory. This brings meaning now to the Mount of Transfiguration and Jesus' statement, you're going to see the kingdom of God come in power. They just saw a preview. This was not something that was permanent for them, but had an impact upon them. And they saw this because this is God's original purpose for man. I want Romans 3.23 over on our left-hand side. Everybody asleep over on the left. Pete, 
uh, Mitchell. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18 again. Phil, 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. Uh, Gary Marsh, 2 Thessalonians 1, 12. Uh, is it Chad? Okay. If you want to read those for us. Uh, this is God's original purpose for man. Romans 3.23. Let's go back over that. This is what brings meaning to this statement of Romans 3.23. Read it aloud. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What is that all about? It's because this uh, is God's original intent and purpose for man, this wonderful glory uh, that he has created for mankind. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of the glory for our riches and glory of his inheritance. Paul prays that they may be given the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God, that the eyes of their understanding may be opened, that they may know uh, the glory that God has prepared for them. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, working for us a far more exceeding eternal way of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. The things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Our light affliction uh, works for us a far more an exceedingly uh, weight of glory. We're not looking at the things which are seen. We're looking at the things which are not seen, which is, is what the dazzling face on the Mount of Transfiguration is all about. Finally, Second Thessalonians 1, verse 12. But the name of our Lord Jesus Christ be glorified in you, and you and him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Here's God's purpose for us. Adam Clark makes an interesting uh, statement. He says, The transfiguration scene, that's what we read about in Matthew 17, 1 and 2, contains in miniature all the elements of the future kingdom in manifestation. This is what the, the, uh, the Mount of Transfiguration is all about. And so looking now, let's, let's begin to contemplate and it's the Spirit of God that makes us a reality in our lives. Uh, sometimes uh, we get bogged down with the, uh, with the uh, difficulties of life. We get disappointed. Uh, those around us may fail. We are betrayed. Uh, we're discouraged. We, but it's looking at Jesus Christ and what is revealed in that uh, because uh, as, as He is, we're going to be transformed uh, in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and it's by spiritual contemplation that we're vitally and eternally affected, uh, not just another deity or a religious teacher or a guru. He's the Lord of glory. And when we begin to comprehend that and understand that this is uh, what we're involved in, then uh, it begins to change how we relate to him, and it moves us to an eternal pursuit. There's two very interesting uh, 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 quotes that I want to read to you uh, that uh, uh, has bearing, because this ought to have some kind of effect on you as you live in life. This has no effect on you, then uh, you're missing one of the most wonderful uh, uh, understandings of the, gra the grace of God in Christ. It says uh, This quote is a, a, a beggar 
who said to Hugh Price Hughes uh, uh, these words that he saw him go, ma- go by, Oh man, with the light of God in your face, can't you do something for the likes of me? See, it ought to, it ought to do something for your personality. Can you say amen? You know, you see people, uh, sometimes they come to church, they look like death warmed over. Are you still with me? You know, pastors have a great insight. You look out over the congregation. Uh, you've got uh, you've got guys there perving on the chicks. You've got uh, uh, businessmen. They're thinking about a deal they're going to close. Uh, you got people who are selling insurance. you got people who have a pyramid scheme, uh, Amway. All this is working in congregations. Uh, right? Don't, don't blink at me like I'm from outer space. This is all working. And, uh, but as far as worshiping Jesus Christ and the wonders of what he's given to us, it ought to make a mark on you and it ought to transform. At least while you're in church, there ought to be something. There ought to be something of eternal glory that begins to shine forth uh, and uh, begins to help you. Uh, one author uh, writes this as many years ago the famous Baptist missionary Adoniram Judson while home on furlough came to visit a friend in a little New England town as he walked up the street a small boy playing about the sidewalk caught sight of his glowing countenance the little fellow was fascinated he never forgot it long afterward when that boy had become a great spiritual leader known to the world as Charles G. Trumbull he wrote an article entitled What a Boy Saw in the face of Adoniram Judson. So at least in church, it ought to make some kind of imprint that transforms and changes your appearance because you have an understanding of that wonderful glory. You know, we're not just a religious club gathered together saying religious things. We're the saints of God. Can you say amen? Headed for a glorious transformation in that kingdom. These bodies no longer are going to be these weak they're no longer going to have all the frailties. They're no longer going to have all the uh, shortcomings of human personality. But they're going to be transformed uh, like as unto his glorious body uh, in the glory that Jesus Christ has redeemed us for the original purpose that God created us for. Phil uh, uh, Mayot. Um, there's a contrasting statement when Paul said, I pray that your eyes would be enlightened to see God's glory. Uh, the contrasting statement Paul also made was that when they did not give God the glory he deserved and worshipped him as God, their foolish hearts instead were darkened. And I see it's interesting in the most false religions and in the New Age religions, they're ascribing a glory to man outside of God. Whereas the Christian message is there is no glory to man outside of God, and the only way we ever could have the glory he meant for us to have is through Jesus. Proverbs 29:18 says, "Without a vision, the people perish." This uh, has bearing on that, and what the statement is is, without a uh, revelation from God, this is a spiritual dimension. One translator says, "The people uncover themselves and run naked in the streets." Summer's coming; they're just getting ready to do that, and so uh, you're going to see all the various uh, stages of undress. Uh, some of them come to church, but uh, it ought not to be. Amen? It ought not to be. But mankind left to himself denigrates lower and lower and lower. And it's as we begin to be touched by God that God begins to bring that transformation inside 
that begins to manifest because we see the hope of his glory and his wonderful promise. Somebody else, Mark Sanderland. Is that uh, kingdom now, is that just a, 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 an extension of the Elijah company thing? Was... Well, actually, it's, uh, it, it, number one, it's, a, it's, a, a, it's people who do not expect Jesus Christ to come. The coming is in them. In other words, they say the second coming is in us. That's the first diversion that they make. And there's many charismatic churches that have taken that pathway. They don't believe in the rapture. They don't believe in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are uh, people who uh, have bought into the what is the uh, uh, preterist doctrine that uh, the prophecies were already fulfilled in 70 A.D. And so the kingdom is now something that's fulfilled in us as we begin to rise up has tinges of the manifested sons of God, but it uh, begins to denigrate into a political movement. We're going to take over and we're going to change society. The kingdom's going to be set up by us. That's a lie from hell. And it begins when you have no anticipation of the second coming of the Lord Jesus uh, in the rapture. The rapture is what we're talking about because we're caught up to meet him in the air. And so uh, there's a, a, a very huge, uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, a black uh, church there, kingdom now. His name is Long. He's uh, one of the leaders of this. Earl Pauk, uh, who, uh, who uh, uh, had a large church in Atlanta, he also was a part of this. He's uh, been somewhat discredited now because of immoral uh, relationships, but he was into kingdom now. When you begin to lose the anticipation of what we're talking about, the Lord. See, this is, this is what we get when Jesus comes. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? This is what we get when Jesus comes. When you lose that, then other things begin to crank in, other dynamics. Uh, and as Proverbs twenty nine eighteen said, uh, without a vision, without a, a, a valid spiritual uh, encounter with God through Jesus Christ, things begin to take their course and, uh, and humanity begins to denigrate to its lowest common denominator. Does that, did I answer your question? That, that, that's, that's the essence of it in a nutshell. That's kingdom called kingdom now is what it is. And it's a lie. Uh, Rod? So would you say this event that's in the Gospels here, the Mount of Transfiguration, is basically to give us a, in the future what we're facing, what's our, what the promise is? Absolutely. See, this fascinated me because Pastor Lamb preached uh, or taught on the mountains of God. Yeah. He touched upon this one, and I, it got me into a word study. And in Luke, the, the word decease, and in Second Peter uses the word decease. That means exodus, a way out. And it's the only two spots it's used in the yeah. Testament. Okay. So interesting. That's what we're facing. It's a way that, out. That's what we're looking for. We're, we're anticipating, and this is why he did that. See, this was a deliberate action. This was no accident because in Matthew 16, he said, this is what's going to happen. Some of you standing here, you're going to see the kingdom of God coming in power. That was Peter, James, and John. They had that uh, revelation. There's a whole other study on the three, the inner circle that's there. And it's related to us because this is a insight or a preview or just a capsulization of what the kingdom of God is all going to be about is the transformation uh, of believers transformed by the power of God in their glorified body when Jesus comes. Carol? When I think of all this, I think of Job uh, 7:17, and it says, What is man that thou shouldst magnify him, 
and that thou shouldest set thine heart upon his most amazing. Yeah, what is man that you should magnify him? This is the, this is the mystery hidden uh, from times past, but revealed uh, in us, the Scripture says, uh, and that involves Jesus Christ and the redemption or the reclaiming of God's purpose for mankind uh, uh, that uh, he has ordained uh, for us. And this is the original purpose to which sin derail, but Jesus Christ has brought back on track for those who believe. Somebody else? Very good questions. Uh, Wayne. Concerning the future after we are transfigured. Okay, concerning the future after we're transfigured. Here we come. <laughs> that we may not only be transfigured, but have the ability, according to the Lord's purposes, back into this world with the physical body to interact with people and help them in various ways, similar to what I understand angels do today. Yeah, all that's involved in there is not clear to us, Wayne. But the Bible says that we will return with him. He's going to rule and reign for a thousand years and we rule with him. Yes. How we do that, How we do that is not fully revealed or who all's involved is not fully revealed. It isn't that clear. It's obvious there's going to be people on the earth and it's obvious that Jesus Christ is going to rule from Jerusalem and it's obvious that we're going to rule with him because he said, they that overcome are going to sit down with me in my throne. So all that's involved there, we don't know. And even that is not the conclusion. But we will be resurrected in uh, uh, a body, a resurrection body, and a glorious body. And this is going to transpire uh, at the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good question, Wayne. Someone else? Got time for about one or two more questions. Uh, Jeremiah. I think it's interesting It's great. I'm not, I'm not into suffering. I don't know about you. But uh, that can be a detriment if you lose uh, the uh, vision of what really is involved in what God promises for us. Amen. So uh, we're going to continue next week. Face of our Lord, the dazzling face. Uh, you got about five minutes. We start uh, church.